make sure you create a business that maximizes those happy aspects. Because many times people then go and create a business or they think, okay, the grass is greener over here. I'll just go over there. And then when they get there, they're like, oh, wait a second. (laughs) So it's really about knowing what you love doing and then making sure that next step really has that as a core component. Welcome to another episode of Academics Mean Business. This is your host, Dr. Lindsay Padilla. Today, I have Dr. Teresa Lyons. She is an autism expert, actually, and has a huge, long, and varied academic career with multiple degrees. (laughs) You'll see in the very beginning when she shares her CV, um, I think I called it a degree stack. But yes, she has a PhD in chemistry from Yale. And she actually, upon her daughter getting diagnosed with a severe case of autism, she basically tapped into her knowing uh, all of her doctorate work, postdoctorate work, and then also her career in medical strategy, which I talk about with her because I was like, what is that? Uh, But she takes all of that information and she has this, you know, diagnosis happen, which changed her life. And she had her daughter who was, you know, had a terrible diagnosis, something that many doctors were saying, you know, it was impossible to change. And so she took her research skills and were able to show up to every specialist appointment very prepared. So we talked a little bit about the beginning of that journey. And essentially what happened is, is she turned every meeting with a specialist into a business meeting where she's like, okay, I'm going to take this specialist knowledge. I'm going to tell them this is what we're working on or whatever. And then she basically turned that into her daughter getting the help and support she needed. So she talks about how she had faith in her abilities as a scientist. And she created a business that was using all the skills that her whole life has led her up to. And she was able to basically create a business around the knowledge and information and research that's out there around autism and actually helping parents and families of children with autism. She was actually being asked by multiple specialists as she would get support for her daughter to start a business. So she just kind of did it. And that is definitely a theme that comes through in this episode, which is tapping into that doing level of running a business and failing forward. And how she put it, she said... There's no such thing as failing. There's winning and then there's learning. And so she took this very scientific way of starting a business. So I loved it. So here she is, Dr. Teresa Lyons, sharing her story of starting her business. All right, Dr. Teresa Lyons, we have made it. We had yes. <laughs> we had some tech issues. This is definitely take two, but we have officially made it and this is happening. <laughs> We are academics. We do not give up. (laughs) (laughs) Go Exactly. Boom. That's the quote pull for this one for sure. Yeah, Teresa, I'm so glad you're here. I'm really excited to talk about your work and what you're doing in the world. I think it's just such a great intersection of public intellectual and having a business and being an academic. Uh, I'm just really excited to hear about your journey and to learn more about you. So thanks for coming on. Oh, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. So very so you know i i obviously do a little bit of spying before i have guests come on <laughs> but uh teresa does work in the autism space and so i'd love to hear about your 
academic background that really supports you, um, you know, taking on this, this cause and, and teaching in, in what you teach in your business. So if you could give us that, that journey, that would be awesome. Sure. My academic background is I'm a chemist. I love chemistry, have always loved chemistry. I have a bachelor's in chemistry, a master's in synthetic organic chemistry. So I was in the lab, you know, mixing things, taking NMRs, mm. you know, that, that traditional role of a chemist. And then I went on to get two more graduate degrees, and those two are from Yale University. I have a PhD in computational chemistry, which is, you know, sitting at the computer, coding. It's the intersection of math, physics, and chemistry. Mm. And I also got a master's from Yale in general chemistry, en route to, obviously, the PhD. Stack up all the degrees. I love it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I For really sure. love chemistry. It did not, my, my PhD I got in four years. Mm. So those three degrees, the two masters and PhD I got in a total of six years. So awesome. I'm, I'm definitely, when I, when I get focused, then I just get laser focused mm. and, and just zero in on my goal. Yeah. I love, I, I actually forgot about the word computational physics and like <laughs> chemistry because my husband studied his master's at San Diego state and they have a computational physics program. So I'm like, Oh yeah, oh. I know exactly what you're talking about. And he didn't get into that field. It, he went experimental, but um, mm. yeah, like a lot of his friends did computational physics. I think actually San Diego state started a PhD and then that's a state school. So that's like rare, but anyways, mm. I don't know. He's probably going to listen to this episode and be like, <laughs> she's totally botching it. But that rang a bell for me. And I was like, oh yeah, I know exactly what that is. It's crunching numbers, but yes. you know, with the yes. background and underpinning of mathematics and physics. And so you're adding the chemistry piece. Very cool. Yeah. So it is, my academic training is unique in the sense that mm -hmm. I have a degree in experimentation. So actually being in the lab, but then I'm also a theorist. Yeah. So I have that. Those are two very different perspectives that most yep. scientists don't get fully trained in. Yep. That is very true. So, okay, Teresa. So tell me a little bit about you. You obviously went all in on getting degrees and, and <laughs> studying chemistry. When did you decide that, Hey, I want to get work out here around autism and like, what, what, yeah. What did you always have that in you of like, yes, I'm going to do something public facing. I want my research to have an impact. Take us back to when that was happening in your life, when you were even considering something like that. Sure. So I can tell you everything after getting my PhD has been unplanned. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, it been... Plan all the way up to the doctorate. <laughs> and that's about as far as us academics can get when it comes to planning. That's a good point. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. So that I got, I did a postdoc in industry and in large pharma. Mm. I really loved that. And what I really loved was having large teams of diverse scientists mm. working towards a common goal. So that was what I really loved. So you know, my next position, I just followed that even more. So I became a uh, medical strategist for a consulting company in the oh. pharmaceutical industry. What does and that worked... look like? Oh, Skill boy. set wise. <laughs> I've never Skill heard that wise. before. Yeah. Like, what do you do for that? So that requires having a deep understanding of a therapeutic area. So mm -hmm. I worked in many different therapeutic areas understanding the drugs that are on the landscape, which drugs are used, which ones are on patent, off patent, what clinical trials are coming up. Oh, wow. And then we worked with the pharmaceutical company as to uh, their planning for that 
drug. So you uh, get involved all in the marketing. Uh-huh. Um, there's, it's absolutely fantastic how pharmaceuticals are marketed. It's, it's yep. like nothing I ever experienced being a scientist. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. my thirst for learning has always been there. And that's what this job was. It was like, let me really understand what my research does. You know, yeah. what, what's the end result? How is, how is it done? And I get to work on large teams. It was high paced, high pressure. Mm. You had to come up to speed really quickly going on pitches. So you have, you know, your PowerPoint deck, yep. but some of it's science and some of it's not. So you're mm-hmm. really trying to close the room. So you're trying to sell your scientific knowledge That's as a component on the team. So yeah, very different, but I enjoyed it. Yeah. So I can see the entrepreneur side. <laughs> like <laughs> that. So it sounds like you basically got into a position in a corporation that then um, was having you tap into different skill sets. You're repository of information and knowledge and then also the like marketing strategy public facing yeah thing so when did you decide to kind of go I want to do my own thing what did that look like oh boy another unplanned event (laughs) (laughs) so um I transitioned from being a medical strategist to working more in the nonprofit world so I leveraged those skills that all the skills as a scientist And then what I learned as a medical strategist, I then was able to use that for two different nonprofits. And one was multiple myeloma. And the second was um, dealing with uh, basic medicine, but throughout the entire world. So interacting with foreign ministers um, and trying to get different kinds of medicine into clinics in Mm. developing countries. So that... It was all about really just expanding and I followed what I enjoyed. So mm. there really was no plan. I, I Many times I'm like, I wish I knew what I was doing, but this job sounds fantastic and, you know, I'd be a great fit and, you know, I'd join and, it, you know, it's a great working experience. So the unplanned part really came when my daughter was diagnosed with autism when she was three and a half years old. Mm. So I had no intention of going into the autism field. I had no experience with autism before my daughter. She was diagnosed at three and a half and she was quite severe when she Mm. was diagnosed. So there really wasn't a question of, oh, is there something wrong? No, there was Mm. something majorly wrong. And it just so happens that my entire career prepared me for my daughter's Mm. diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And making an impact in her life. Mm-hmm. So that's how I got into autism. It, it wasn't planned at all, but yet it, it almost seems as if it were. So mm. taking my um, skills, uh, being a, as a medical strategist, I know how to <laughs> build teams. Sure. I know how to come up to speed very quickly in therapeutic areas. I know how to work with key opinion leaders, which are the physicians that are really doing the research and they're the most knowledgeable. So I basically just relied on my skills that I learned from my PhD, mm-hmm. as well as working in industry to put together what my daughter needed. So what were some of your first steps for that? Because that's definitely something we like to talk about on the podcast, because there's a pattern of, of academics having this unplanned event potentially happen that pushes them towards a, oh, I could make a difference here, or I um, care about this cause, or I 
now am upheave, you know, I had an upheaval in my life and I had to move. Do I really want to try to get a job at my local university? Like what mm-hmm. are my options? So I'm I'm curious what maybe some of those first choices. So you know how to make a team, you know how to do all this stuff. How'd you decide, okay, I'm gonna build a business? I when did the monetization part come in? I guess maybe that's a, a little bit of a of a question. Mm-hmm. And then like what um what were those first initial kind of steps to really get out there that's something that um yeah a lot of folks want to want to hear about sure so the first step was getting my daughter in front of a KOL so mm. an autism expert for the diagnosis i wanted someone who whose entire career was autism I wanted them to have done clinical trials. I want them to be the ones that are invited to lecture at different symposia around the world because I know what kind of knowledge they have. They have the knowledge that I need. So I got my daughter in front of um, a specialist and I used some of my marketing skills to (laughs) get an appointment, you know, within a month or so when the wait Mm -hmm. list is like a year. So Mm. navigating all that and um, preparing for the first appointment I put it together as if it was a business meeting. So I had an wow. agenda. I walked in there as Dr. Lyons. Mm-hmm. I didn't walk in there as my daughter's mom. So the specialist really viewed me differently because mm. I was prepared. And I had sent the agenda a day before so that I wasn't catching anyone flat-footed, you know, as an academic. Mm-hmm. We hate when we're asked a deep, thoughtful question and we don't have time to think about it. So... Mm. Yeah, I knew I had 30 minutes in front of this world-renowned doctor, so I wanted them as prepared as I was. So I started forming a team, and that was the first person on my team. Mm. And really, as my daughter got better and better, it was a, a lot of it involved me going to the research. So that was my academic training from my PhD. So. Sure going to PubMed, going to SciFinder, you know, all Mm -hmm. of these, reading the articles and eliminating really 30 years of wait, because it usually takes about 30 years for Mm -hmm. cutting edge science to Mm -hmm. trickle down to the bench. So it's, it was really having faith in my abilities to understand the science, Mm. being able to take action on that, and then also being able to communicate that to specialists so that you know, they took me seriously and we would have really meaningful discussions. So a lot of the mommy role mm. <laughs> was, was not in here. So I, I really did not get to be a mom for a while. Sure. My, my daughter was absolutely severe where, to the point where she had no quality of life. Mm-hmm. There was no laughing. There was no smiling, no pointing, nothing like that. Her, her life trajectory had no future whatsoever. That's how severe she was. So it was that pressure of, I need to do something, otherwise nothing is going to get done. And when you have a child, you make that commitment to them. You know, Mm -hmm. I held her in my arms when she was born and and whispered all those things of, you know, I'm, I'm here for you. I will protect you. I will make sure I can do the best for you. Um, And those are all promises that I take seriously. So there, there was no mommy role. There was just, let me use all the skills that I have, which I was so fortunate to have. Mm. And as my daughter got better and better, things just started to change. So the specialist was the first one who said, 
I should create a business out of this. Mm. Now, mind you, my daughter just changed a little bit. She was completely severe. She was maybe just a little calmer. There was not a huge change. And I th- I was like, this, they're nuts. They, they know autism. They're no business. What am, mm. How am I going to create a business out of this? So they had mentioned it, you know, the first time they saw a little bit of change. And then as I went to different doctors and, you know, did the same thing, had my agenda, you know, had publications, mm-hmm. and, you know, GI specialists were asking me, can you write a paper on that? Mm. I'm like, really? <laughs> okay. So um, the my daughter's main specialist, she really encouraged me and said how, um, you know, people pitch her all the time and she doesn't even really think about anyone's pitches, but for mine, you know, for, she's like, create a business and keep me informed as to what you're doing. And I have lots of doctors now on my email list who want to stay up to date on the different research because it's not easy to see patients all day and stay Mm. up to date on research and research is coming out so often. Yep. So that's, that's really how the business came about. I, I didn't think of it. Mm -hmm. It wasn't my idea. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It wasn't something I thought about doing and it wasn't something I really wanted to do. But the Mm -hmm. thing is, my daughter changed so much Mm. that I couldn't walk away knowing how to change someone's child and just go on with my life. Yeah. I couldn't do that. What kind of human being would I be if I knew how to help someone Mm. and I just didn't do it? Because A, I'm a scientist. I do not like to be out in the public, you know, Mm. getting my picture Mm -hmm. taken I cringed. I, I was literally like throwing up the first time I had to have like a headshot session. It sure. was just like, oh my goodness, I mm-hmm. do not want to be out here making a video. Oh, I, I couldn't eat for like a day before. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. But again, what was driving me was the change in my daughter. And I knew that other children could have changes like that. So mm-hmm. that's that's what made me not give up. And that's what made me overcome a lot of the fears that I had. That's a great point right there. And I just want to highlight that because I kept hearing too, as you're sharing that, I was like, you felt like you had a responsibility, right? To the world. Like, whoa, if I don't put this out there, if I don't use my skill set that I like created for myself, this very unique skill set, just like you said at the beginning, like the path that you took was unique and you didn't end up where you thought you would. But then it all kind of makes sense because looking backwards means that's why you starting this business was so important. And I'm like, it's so interesting because two years in business, into business myself, I keep asking myself, like, why did I go and get a doctorate if like, you know, I'm not teaching anymore? Like, there's so many different things that I could point to and be like, why did I do this? Why did I do that? And then it's like, but maybe that actual whole entire process is leading you up into that very, very moment. And if you think about that larger impact that you could have on the world with your business and with your knowledge, um, and, and making it a business versus giving away information for free. I think that could be actually something we could talk about too. But like part of me knows that the resources that are generated through money as a resource is the thing that actually can help make and fuel this impact. So for me, that large why that you have, the Simon Sinek, right? Like it, it's, it's all about the why. 
Yeah. That's the thing that pushes you through the real difficulty of having a business. Running a business isn't easy. And you, I think you even mentioned you didn't know what to do. <laughs> These no. doctors were like, please do it. And you're like, cool. I don't have an MBA. I'm not going back <laughs> for that. Right. So how, like, where did you go for help in starting a business? Did you go kind of the trial and error kind of way, which I hear a lot in your, in your, your typical like your background, but like, or did you go the, I'm going to look for mentors and get help from people. And um, where did you go to kind of figure out how to start a business? Well, a lot of it is experimenting. So I I am that scientist. So it was just like, all right, let me put a website up. We'll see what happens. All right, let me write a blog post here or there. Let's see what happens. And then, you know, people started signing up for my emails and more Mm -hmm. and more. And then, oh, look at that. I'm ranked number one on certain Google searches. If you put in autism and certain keywords, I'm number one. So it's just like, oh, okay. You know, that's actually hard to do, but... Very hard to do. it it, It was just experimenting and learning as much as I could before doing something, but mm. not trying to get into that. I hate to say it, but a lot of times academics like to just think and think and think. Yep. <laughs> so like I try and catch myself when I'm doing that, like second think loop. I'm yeah. like, no, nah, you got to do, you got to do business is about doing. So you can it's think, about doing and then you mm-hmm. do, and then you mm-hmm. think, and then you do. So that's what I do now. So it's like, okay. Um, you know, someone had asked me to, to make videos. They're like, Oh, I love reading your blog post, but you know, I'm commuting and sometimes it's easier mm. to just listen to something. And I was like, Oh, oh goodness. Okay. So I thought about it. I thought about what I would want to yeah. listen to yep. and started making videos for that. So I have actually two different kinds of videos that came out of that. I first started with science-based videos So there's a lot of research on different supplements that parents are trying to learn, but a lot of that information is very deep within PubMed and Mm. articles that you have to really pay for if you don't have academic credentials. So I create short, like 10 minutes and under science videos where I have a formula where it's, I open it up with what the supplement is used for, the indication of needs, the mechanism of action. Uh, why it's used in autism, and then any clinical trials that had information on this supplement being used. So Mm -hmm. it can bring the parent up to speed. And that is totally my PhD background. Yep. You know, that, that is, you know, giving a a research report, uh, you know, every month or so to your professor or something. So that came very naturally. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I have quite a few views on that. And then people would ask me, you know, how do you stay so motivated? And it was like, okay, I guess I can record a video. So it's like, I would think, Mm -hmm. and then I would do. Um, Mm -hmm. And so there's not much that I try and think and think and think and think and think about. Because then with business, you can't do that. You've got to think and do. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Which is scary because it is scary. I I like to think, you know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and we want to do it Right. Right. Yes. So I think that's part of where, and, and we can get really caught up in that perfectionism. It's so funny. I, so I run my business with my husband and he's a physics background. He has a PhD in physics, like I kind of mentioned. And it's funny because he's doing a lot of implementation in my business. Mm-hmm. And so I come up with the ideas and I'm a great idea generator, but I do, once I start getting caught up in the details, it kills it. And I'm, mm. I'm not good at executing but my husband is. And I said to him the other day, because now he's been in the business a few months. And I was like, 
you just try things and you don't worry about it not going right. And he's been such a great model for the other people that work in my business on my team. Mm -hmm. And like, for example, he wrote just like a quick email template and it was wrong. (laughs) But I was like, at least he did it because now I can go in and update. So I think you're a great example and very similar. And I think it's that scientific, like the more experimentalist kind of perspective that I was less in. Um, I was, you know, a qualitative researcher. So I'm like observing and like, you know, whatever. Mm. And like, but you guys have to like, oh, try. And then we get data (laughs) and and then we try again. And I think in business, that's the best way to look at it. Try, get some data. It doesn't mean you failed. It means it didn't work. What little lever could you pull to make a different outcome? And and the scientific method, you know, if we want to get into that, as it applies to business, is not a bad way to look at, you know, what we're trying to accomplish. That there's you, yes, you can learn from all these, you know, marketers out there like running a business and you can try their way of doing it. But just because it doesn't work exactly as they prescribed, which is a whole other probably conversation I could get into, <laughs> it doesn't mean it was wrong. And so you having that experimentalist like perspective, it sounds like really benefited you being able to move forward and kind of keep like, I think there's a, a term in business or I don't know who said it, but like fail forward, right? Mm, yes, yeah. we try and then we like keep going. So um, that's really helpful. For me, there's no failing. Yeah. You either win or you learn. Mm-hmm. That's 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 the options. Win or you learn. So it's it, it's just it's just learning. And yeah, sometimes you want it to go a different way, but sure. I was an experimentalist. I was in the lab mixing mm-hmm. things, crystallizing <laughs> things, you know, standing there like, oh please, crystal, crystal, come on, crystals, come on yeah. out. <laughs> and you know, and it's like sometimes they didn't. So it's just mm-hmm. like, okay, what did I learn? Oh, okay, we got to make the temperature colder. Oh, mm-hmm. I got to change this condition. I got to change that condition. So, it, and sometimes in business, it can get defeating because sure. you're just looking at revenue as really the only yes. determiner for success of business. But if you look at it so one dimensional like that, you miss you miss mm. like all the fun and all the impact. Mm. That's really huge. I. I'd love to hear what is your business set up like now? So you've done a lot of failing, learning, yeah. <laughs> right? winning. Um, what what is the what are the streams of income look like for you? And kind of, you know, just paint a picture of what your business looks like today. And and then if you want to paint a picture of where you're hoping it goes and like what you envision for the future of your business. Sure. So I'm gonna back up and just say that as I was making this business, I went cautiously because Mm. what my business is, is I teach overwhelmed parents how to heal their children from autism. Mm. So that's a huge goal. And for me to say that that's my business, I also had to make sure that I could do that Mm. inclusively. So there are times when I probably could have built income streams bigger, quicker, faster, but I wanted to make sure my products actually work yeah, And that it is reproducible. And that's the scientist in me. So it was like, okay, I've done this once. I've made it. The first thing I did was made a course for um, parents who want to learn about the special diets and how to get mm. their child on the special diet right for them. So there are eight special diets and diet is the first step in healing autism. Mm. So it was really important for any other parents who 
wanted to do some of the other things that they have a great foundation, which is diet. So that's why creating a course on diet was, um, you know, very important. And I worked individually with clients who heard of me word of mouth. Mm -hmm. And so it was kind of that ebb and flow between clients and then writing the course and then launching the course, Mm -hmm. um, having people buy it, do the work, give me feedback. So as I got more and more confident that parents really could do this and Mm. I could teach this as a product, then that's how I got more confidence to keep going. So I have two online courses. The first one is for diets. That's my flagship course. And then I have a second course, which is all about probiotics and how Mm. you populate the gut microbiota. Um, most children with autism have dysbiosis, meaning uh, unbalanced microbiota. Mm. So a lot of times they're told by their doctor, oh yeah, take a probiotic. And they ask which one. And they're like, no, it doesn't matter. Mm. I mean, I'm a chemist, not a biologist, but as a biologist, I would probably cringe. Yeah. Yes, it does matter. (laughs) (laughs) So I created products based upon where I could have an impact and where there was a need. So a doctor doesn't have time to sit there and no. explain the eight special diets that are known to help autism symptoms. They don't mm-hmm. have time to explain and they probably don't know themselves how you rebuild a gut microbiota. Mm-hmm. One thing that has been great along the way is whenever I've wanted to speak to any of these scientists who are doing any of the research, either on diet or on probiotics, brain development, I'm very fortunate in that I can just write them an email and say, you know, I'm, I'm a mom, my daughter has autism, I have a PhD in computational chemistry from Yale, and I have some mm-hmm. science questions for you. Mm-hmm. And I can get yep. real cutting edge information yep. and speak to these scientists themselves. So it's, it's another way of leveraging my academic background into business because then I'm even just more and more confident in my product. Mm. So you're such a bridge. You're such a you're literally a bridge to mothers, right? To parents mm-hmm. who they feel like they can't get to the science, but you're also a bridge to the scientists to bring in that cutting information back to the parents. And it, that's that's where part of me is like, man, your journey makes so much <laughs> sense. And I just want to highlight like You know, the reason why I do this podcast is because I want people to realize that the things that they know and the things that they study, sometimes it might be a little bit bigger than teaching in a classroom or, you know, doing research at a company or, you know, whatever, like whatever position or job that we chose to do with our advanced degrees, you're this, you know, beacon of of this other way of using our our research for like the public good and there's a lot to be said for that so i don't know i just like felt like like i needed to say that to you because like i'm sitting here on the other side of this being going like what if you decided not to start a business what if you decided not to be that bridge or you got mm. worried or scared or whatever and um and that's yeah, that's what this conversation represents is is being like, hey, it is a little scary to start a business and to um, go out there and do something that we weren't trained for, right? Um, yeah. And then, and then try to figure it out. Yeah. I, I would say starting a business was scary, but I was kind of already in scary territory. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I would say the, the real... <sighs> When, when you leave academia, there's kind of this, this moment. And I remember 
you know, I, I got the industrial postdoc. So I was still kind of, you know, in that space, the postdoc, and that's traditional. But it was taking that first job as, as a medical strategist. I was really leaving science. And yeah. a, lot of, a lot of my friends and, and lab coworkers, I had to explain it to them. And they were just like, really? And there were times where I felt like, oh goodness, I feel like I'm almost a traitor. Mm. <laughs> I, I'm leaving, I'm like almost even leaving the the crowd. So yeah. that was the really scary, that first step. That was the was, first leap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was scary to do because, you know, it's like, oh, you're not a scientist anymore. And it's mm-hmm. just like- I You're a sellout. Did you feel that? <laughs> well, like in a way, yeah. It was just mm. like, you did all this work to become a scientist and now you're not using those skills. And I don't have to explain, well, I am, mm-hmm. you know, I'm using science, but just in a much different way. So that step is, th- that was a scary one. And I yeah. think after that, I was like, oh, I'm okay. I'm used to being in like fear territory. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Your business, your um, job, your role in that, in that company was constant, probably, like you said, stress, high pace, yeah. making decisions. Um, yeah, especially like marketing strategy and that kind of angle is, yeah. And so, so you're right. You did have it a little bit in you. So that was when that first decision was made. And then, and then the entrepreneur leap was obviously prompted by your daughter and like the feedback you were getting from these medical professionals saying like your information needs to get out there. And so then the leap wasn't as, as it wasn't, you weren't leaving a teaching job to do that. No, not at all. So no, it was different. I was already, uh, most people in academia would be like, ah, she's already far gone. Yeah. (laughs) We've lost her. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And I think, I think this podcast too, is it really tries to chronicle that as well, this, um, and even if, that that first step wasn't into your own business, what, but was into a path that is atypical for mm-hmm. academics. I think you were following something, right? You were following some sort of inner guidance that's like, you're going to learn this from here. And then it prepared you for what you were able to do. Yeah. With your daughter. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and I have no regrets whatsoever for, for anything. And sometimes you just kind of have to go with that intuition. Mm-hmm. Some, mm-hmm. some of those jobs, as I said, I just thought, wow, this, this would be great. You know, it'd be great to learn these skills. It would be great to be on this team. It'd be great to contribute in that way. Mm. And all of that really benefited my daughter in, in the end. Mm. So, and now I get to teach it to others. Yeah. I, I, it's almost like I heard too, like you saw yourself as an asset yeah, I get to be a part of this team, but this is what they're getting out of me being doing this, right? Like, so that's a real positive way to look at our skills that we build in the academy, whether or not we're teaching or doing research in in an institution, but how can those skills leave that institution and go somewhere else? And seeing that as valuable, I think was probably that that first initial step for you. I'd love to hear maybe a little bit about... um kind of where you're headed with this. So we kind of stopped a little bit. Like, so we got a little bit of like, you have a couple courses, you do some one-on-one stuff. What do you, what's your big vision for this business? What's your big goal? What are you looking to accomplish with your, with your time on earth? My big goal is to completely change how people view autism. Mm. So that when a parent hears your child has autism, they immediately know, okay, there are things to do. Like it's, Mm. it's not that 
devastating of a diagnosis mm. as it still is now. Yep. And to this day, when people are diagnosed, they still think that it's a devastating lifelong disability is mm. usually the phrase that that is said. And most physicians say, well, you know, you could do some behavioral therapy, but for the most part, this is how your child's going to be. Mm. And I want to change that completely. Mm. And the I science thankfully is coming out to support that. Yep. Of course. So yeah. as of 2016, 10% of those diagnosed with autism heal completely. Mm -hmm. So that's scientific fact. And most parents are really surprised to hear that because that's not what they hear ah. when their child was diagnosed. Mm -hmm. So there's that lag of information. Yep. So I really want to close that gap yep. so that parents take action and children, they're able to leave lead a, a happy life. They're able to enjoy things, uh, mm. learn at school and, and really have goals and do what they wanted to do when they came to earth. So mm. it's, it's much bigger than just creating a profitable business. I don't know how much money and the different revenue streams sure. and all of that, <laughs> that's, that's what drives me. So mm -hmm. any opportunities that come up that match that goal yep. is, is what I just, you know, take hold of and think about it and then do so. Mm, the think and do. Yep. Yeah. Think and do. What would your advice be to someone who has a business idea or is starting a business um, or is yeah questioning whether they should stay in academia and you know stay within an institution. Um, what kind of advice would you give somebody in that position? I would ask them if they were happy. Are, are you happy in academia? Are, are you happy with what you're going to be doing in five years, 10 years? And what really motivated me was just learning and understanding what makes me happy. So mm. taking different jobs and different positions and moving further and further away out of my academic training, but yet I'm actually right in the middle of it. So sure. it's really about following what makes you happy because that's what will enable you to make an impact. And if you want to build a business, a business that makes an impact is a business. Mm -hmm. So I would definitely ask that. And then for them to think about if they're not happy in academia, what would make them happy? You know, mm. what, what aspects of academia makes them happy? What aspects make them unhappy? And make sure you create a business that maximizes those happy aspects. Because mm -hmm. many times people then go and create a business or they think, okay, the grass is greener over here. I'll just go over there. And then when they get there, they're like, oh, wait a second. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So it's really about knowing what you love doing and mm. then making sure that next step really has that as, as a core component. That's great advice. I, I'm totally, I, I think there was maybe an interview where I had the realization, um, probably like three or four months ago, potentially the beginning of the year was an interesting year for me. So I think it had to do probably like early quarter two. So like April, mm. <laughs> April, May, and I was like, oh, did I, I work harder now, quote unquote, <laughs> harder, like have more stress in my life than I did when I was a professor. And I'm like, did I just create a job for me? Right. And this mm. grass is always greener is, is a really interesting 
way to put it because it's true. It feels like that. Like, oh, what if I didn't have to commute to work? What if I could work Mm. from my computer and work all over the world? What if I could make my own money? Okay, all of those what ifs, there's another side to that. What if the money isn't coming in as consistently? What if traveling actually makes me tired and exhausted, even though I'm in really beautiful places? What if... And these are all real things, by the way, that I felt. And so I started to realize like, oh, yeah, I, you know, I made these choices, but what do I want? And asking myself the question, what, what makes me happy? And then... So there's a... I think that what I've learned in business versus academia is academia was about following other people's steps and the path that they've like laid out and accomplishing and being like, okay, I did it guys. Like, here's what it looks like. Right. But then, um, in business, there isn't that. So the personal development that has to happen, not that I didn't have that in, you know, getting a doctorate is something that, you know, a lot of people don't complete. A lot of people don't get into, they Mm -hmm. just, you know, so yes, there was personal development in research and, you know, giving yourself to your research and then writing up the results and communicating with the world about it and with, you know, uh, people in your field. But it doesn't move as quickly, I think, as entrepreneurship. It like really tests you as an individual because everything is coming through you, specifically mm. in the very beginning. It's like, like you were saying, think, do, think, do. Mm-hmm. Often it's only you. And yeah, maybe, you know, in grad school, you had other grad students to complain to. You had an advisor, you had professors, you had like other people around you that understood your experience. And yes, in entrepreneurship, you can invite those people into your life, but they're not really there when you're making those like deep decisions. And it just happens quickly. It happens. I remember a couple of rough points in my research and in my academic study that, yeah, I would say, oh, that was a moment where I decided this. But in entrepreneurship, the moment happens almost daily. (laughs) Like, (laughs) how am I going to show up today? And what is the what is the post going to be like? What's what's the strategy? And it sounds like your marketing background that you know you going into the medical strategy really prompted you to be like, oh, that's what that was. Now I'm doing it for myself, for my daughter, for you know, for the future of autism research, um, for all the future kids that are to be diagnosed in their families. And so now you're it's like coming through you, but you're capable to, you know, move through that with your big why. And that is, it, it's just more trying on a day-to-day basis in entrepreneurship than I would say it is in academia in, in just different ways, I guess. But questioning, yeah, will, are you happy? And what does happiness look like for you? What do you desire? That's something that I've, I keep asking myself, how do mm. I want it to look? What reality am I creating right now? What decision am I making right now? that is affecting the future version of Lindsay, right? Yeah. And that's how I've been, you know, and that's even something two years into this that I'm getting more clear on. Um, mm. So yeah, so I, I think that's great advice. Asking ourselves those kind of questions. We don't, I think as women, we don't tend to ask ourselves that question a lot. Um, what do I really want? How do I want to feel? What do I desire? I think those kind of questions, um, you know, reveal scary answers sometimes, but answers that were totally capable and fulfilling. Oh yeah. And when doing this kind of work, 
this is when I take out the pencil and paper, go, mm. go back to like second grade where I'm writing on actual paper yep. and I really focus and, and write out different questions. You know, what is it that I want and where do I want to be and what, mm. what kind of impact do I want to have? And really writing it down because as an entrepreneur, things go fast and sure. you have to turn things around fast. And so it's easy to be like, oh yeah, I thought about that, but to really <laughs> write it down and then I'll go back and look at my notes and be like, wow, okay. It just really solidifies it more as mm. to what would make you happy and what is mm. it that you'd like to do. So definitely break out the pencil and paper and just write and, and try and figure it out. Yeah. Tap into that intuition, which you mentioned too. Yeah. Um, well, this has been such an amazing conversation. I'm so thankful for you that, that our tech worked <laughs> because I think, um, I think your message and your story is going to have a big impact on my listeners and the listeners and the community itself, because you're doing big things and, you know, that stepping into this role of being a public intellectual and really just going, yeah, I have this knowledge and I want to help people with it. And you're just such a representation of an academic who's running a business. And I'm just <laughs> so grateful that you're here. Um, so where can people find you and follow your work and, um, you know, connect with you, especially if they have questions or, or um, you know, they, they want to just see what you're up to, where would they go? Sure. You can head on over to my website. It's awetism.net. So I spell and think about autism very differently. I love it. So. I love it. I see the awe in autism. So it's mm -hmm. A-W-E-T-I-S-M dot net. And there's a contact page. So if there are any autism researchers that are listening to this mm. that want their uh, research published and really more widely distributed to parents where it would make a big impact, feel free to reach out to me and I'd love to connect with them. Oh, that's awesome. Yes, 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 yes. Um, so thank you so much for coming on today. And thank you for sharing your story about you and your daughter and your work. And uh, I look forward to following you and watching you do all the amazing things that you're up to. Great. Thank you very much for having me.